We're going to open a new series next Sunday on the prayer of Jabez. It'll open you up to receive from heaven and open you up to be a blessing to others. And then Mark, who's also on the teaching team, will bring the second message. We'll have Mother's Day. Uh, Pastor Bob Wilhite, one of the spiritual fathers of this house, will be in town and he'll, do, uh, he'll speak to the moms. And then uh, the next last couple Sundays of the month, we'll finish off the prayer of Jabez. But you want to dive into this four-week series with us because it'll really broaden you and deepen you and expand you as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. This video we just uh, watched about Come Awake comes from the Scripture in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians. I want to read that to you right here. It says, Awake, you who sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Because Jesus broke the power of death, He is able to break anything that leads to death. All sickness, all disease, all depression, all anxiety, all fear, anything on this side of heaven that binds and restricts, oppresses, dominates, cripples, Jesus can break it. Because nothing's stronger than death, and Jesus is stronger than death. So Jesus can dominate anything on this side of death. That's why we'll see in a moment, the New Testament writers don't even use the word death or died very often when it's speaking about a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ. They use the word sleep. They've just fallen asleep. They're going to wake up and they're going to be in heaven. This message is not just to those of you who have not yet given your life to Christ so that you are spiritually awakened to who Jesus really is. It's also to the church. It's also to the believer who Christianity has just become routine. Prayer has become a, a, a drudge, drudgery. Going to church has become obligatory. You know, giving your money has become a duty. Where's the life? Where's the joy? Where's the, where's the inspiration that Jesus, my God, rose from the dead, called me by name, allowed me to come into His kingdom, and has a life for me of purpose and destiny? I'm so lucky to be a part of it. Where did that go? <laughs> right? This scripture that says, come alive, awake, it's actually a scripture written to the believer. Hello. Turn to the person next to you and say, wake up. Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> Jesus has come to give hope to every person on earth. It's so easy for us to know a certain measure of Jesus and then get bored because we get distracted with other things rather than allowing Christ to continually reveal Himself to us because He is eternal. He can never be tapped. He's never, you can't ever like drink Him like a soda or a Slurpee. And you know, we get Slurpees on the way home from church sometimes. And you always know when the kids are done with the Slurpee, right? How do you know when they're done with the Slurpee? Yeah. You can't do that to Jesus. There's no way you're not going to tap him. You can't you can't get all of him that there is to get. It's a, this is eternal. So we've got to stay focused on him. John, the apostle, walked with Jesus personally three and a half years, ate with him, slept with him, you know, had fun with him, did ministry with him, lived life with him. And yet Jesus revealed himself to John after Jesus rose from the dead. And John saw a whole different dimension of Jesus. Let's read this out of the book of Revelation. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. 
And I have the keys of hell and death. Now, this was good news for John. Because John was in a hopeless situation. They had tried to kill him and they couldn't. They tried to boil him in oil. But he wouldn't boil. What do you do with a man who will not boil? The reason is, and so then they couldn't, get, they couldn't kill him, so they put him out in the Isle of Patmos, which is um, a penal colony, so that he could just do hard labor and then finally die. That's pretty darn hopeless. There's no hope for him. John is, is, has been abandoned to an island to die. But then there's the resurrected Christ who doesn't seem to be limited by these things. And he appears to John. But I love what John was doing in this passage. It says John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. John, the apostle, they tried to murder him. They couldn't. They sent him out to an island and abandoned him. He could be saying, where's Jesus? How could this happen to me? You might be in a hopeless situation today. And you might be asking why. Why would God allow this to happen to me? I'll tell you, the better posture is the one John had. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was just worshiping Jesus, even when he was unjustly treated just for the gospel's sake, just trying to do the will of God. He didn't go into martyrdom. He just worshiped and Jesus appeared. (laughs) The risen Jesus appeared. Now, you could refute this, that this was just a story John made up. If you don't believe in the resurrection, but that means that John's lying. John just made this story up. Who is the disciple of the man who's trying to what? Dupe the entire world into truth and honesty and love and integrity. You see, it just doesn't make any logical sense. And Jesus says, I have the keys of hell and death, John. That's why he couldn't. They couldn't kill you because I didn't let them. I rule. I own death. I'm the resurrected Jesus. And all of us in this room today and everyone that is listening to this online needs Jesus to be that for us today. And he is. He can be. We just have to invite him in. Wherever you invite Jesus in, the situation no longer is hopeless. It may not turn out exactly the way you want, but it will turn out. And it will turn out in ways that weren't even on your radar. He's the creator. He conquered death. His ability to weave your life with a tapestry, especially out 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 of pain and suffering, the jaws of death, and what he can do with that, is just absolutely astounding. And it causes us to worship him. I love this scripture. Praise, honored, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. By his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, born anew into an inheritance which is beyond the reach of change and decay, imperishable, unsullied, unfading, reserved in heaven for you. This hope Jesus gives to us is not just eternal hope, just on the other side of death. It's also a present hope. This scripture says that this is 
this, this hope is re- reserved for us in heaven. This word hope here is not a, oh, I hope so. I hope it happens. Or I wish. Look what the definition of this hope is. From the Greek, this word hope here used in the Bible is this kind of hope is not wishful thinking without any foundation, but of confident expectation based on the solid certainty of God's promises. The book of Hebrews says it this way. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast. An anchor is used on a ship. If there's strong winds or strong current, you drop your anchor to stay on course. For the believer, our hope in Jesus Christ is an anchor to our emotions, to our minds. When we start going crazy in our minds and thinking of the worst case scenario, our faith in Christ anchors us and enables you just to close your eyes and go to sleep at night because you know Jesus is man in the ship. He's the captain of the ship. He's the anchor to our souls. We're to be the most peaceful, contented, unfretting, unworried people on the planet. Jesus rules. He rules in life and in death. He's unlimited and unintimidated by this life, by any circumstance, and by death itself. Look what the Bible says regarding one of the names of God. Now may the God of hope... Everybody say the God of hope. That's the name of our God. The God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You may be in a situation that seems hopeless today. But when you invite Jesus into it, it no longer becomes hopeless. I want us to see this in action. In the book of John chapter 11, Jesus shows up on the scene in a hopeless situation. And you and I will identify with the limitedness of those that are in this story. All of us have a limit in our belief system. But when Jesus comes into a situation where we feel like there's no way out, or we're limited even in our faith level, Jesus busts in on the scene and He expands our limited faith by doing something beyond our faith. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets bigger. I like what the second grader one time said to her teacher. The teacher said, draw whatever you want. And then she's walking down the aisles. And then she comes up to this little second grader and says, what are you drawing? And the second grader said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, oh, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. And she says, they will in a minute. That's what Jesus is about to do to his friends. Let's go to the book of John, chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, from the town of Mary and his, her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sister said to him, Lord, behold, whom you love is sick. So when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not in the death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, some have used this scripture to say that God gets glory in sickness, which isn't true. He may get glory in the way that we are faithful when we're sick, worship him anyway when we're in sickness, have a a, a steadfast spirit in sickness. But God doesn't get glory out of sickness itself. He gets glory out of the way that we go through the valley of the shadow of death and honor Him with our attitude. But in this passage, and specifically, 
He's saying that the glory of God in this sickness is going to be him breaking the barriers of the sickness and and overcoming it with his resurrection power. And we'll see that in context. It's very easy to see as we read through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he came immediately and healed Lazarus. What? Well, that doesn't make any sense. How neglectful and mean-spirited is that? It says he loved. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two more days. It says... Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister in Lazarus. So... When he heard that he was sick, that makes no sense. He loved them, so when he heard that they were sick, what would you do? Immediately. Unless God has a bigger plan in mind. I like what Julie McLean said to me this week, a member here in our church. She said the disciples are on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, but they did not recognize him. God's always working in our lives, especially when we're crying out to him. But we don't always see and recognize what he's doing at the time. And that's the story we have here. But when you've walked with God long enough, that's why I love hanging out with with the uh, older folk that have walked with Jesus for a long time. They have such a settled faith. Because they squirreled around and fought with God and why, why, why for so many decades. And he has come through so many times that they don't ask those questions anymore. They've just seen his faithfulness too, too many times. And that's where God wants to get us all to is trusting that he's in control. He knows better and he's always good. But it doesn't always look like it in the moment, does it? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in that place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the light, he stumbles. Walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Basically, he said, as long as you hang out with me, you're going to be all right. That's the interpretation of that right there. He is the light of the world. These things he said, and after he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then the disciples says, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Our understanding of what's possible is so minute compared to heaven's realities. I mean, when God does a work in the earth, we're like, wow! Like recently, you know, I told a story about how uh, in a Wednesday night prayer, we prayed for a, a Francisco, uh, a member of our church here, came to our Wednesday night prayer meeting and said, let's pray for a girl at, at, at my work at at um, General Dynamics, 5,000 employees. Let's pray for her to know who Jesus is. And so the 12 of us pray for this girl named Marsha who works at General Dynamics 
30 days later, which was just a couple weeks ago, I'm at jury duty in El Cajon. They give us a lunch break. I'm in a restaurant. I see a girl, and I told you this recently. I've never done this in 18 years since I've been married. I didn't know why the heck I was doing it, but I said, hey, would you like to have lunch? And she said, uh, okay. And she sits there, and I'm sitting there, and we're looking at each other, and I'm thinking, this is so awkward. Why did you just ask a girl to have lunch with you? You're married. And she's, you know, it's obvious I'm married. Uh, comes to find out it was the same girl that we had prayed for 30 days earlier in our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. And she needed Jesus. And right there at that table, she received Jesus Christ as her Savior. Who could orchestrate that? From our end, we're going, wow! We've been doing that for a couple of weeks. Wow! Heaven's like, that was so easy. You guys get excited. So You guys are so easy. The, the disciples at this point could believe, and they were believing, and the limit of their belief was that Jesus was the political Messiah. The Jews were occupied by the Romans. And so they thought that Jesus was going to overthrow Caesar and set the Jewish people free. They had no idea about how big God's plan really was. Caesar was this big. The Roman Empire is just a piece of dust. Jesus Christ was coming to overthrow Satan and set the entire human race free from death, hell, and the grave. Sometimes we just can't see God's ultimate plan. I have a friend in the house today, Brian, when we first met, we lived in the same apartment complex and I saw him a few times and he just looked so depressed and asked him what was happening and his marriage was struggling. I asked his permission to share this today. His marriage was in trouble. His wife was being unfaithful. And so I asked him to come to church with me and he gave his life to Jesus. How many years ago was that, Brian? About a hundred and... About 23, 24 years ago. He gives his life to Jesus and then he fights for his marriage. And we pray and we pray and we pray. And he fights and he fights and he fights. He just flat out was faithful. Just amazing. Had a godly posture through the whole thing. And then the divorce finally uh, came through. And his marriage dissolved. And you could sit there and say, what the heck? Jesus, whatever. I mean, you can get really disillusioned. But God had something better in mind. <laughs> yeah. God saw Brian's faithfulness and posture, and he did everything he could to save that marriage. And as he's praying to Jesus, it fell apart. But then one day I was at work and I saw Brian talking to this young, sweet thing named Sissy. Who is now our children's pastor, Cecilia Riley. And God restored his life. The God of hope came to Brian. And then we found out the doctor said that Brian was incapable biologically of having children. And we were like, oh, really? And so we prayed. And now they have three beautiful children. That's the God of hope who comes into a hopeless situation. And it may not turn out exactly as you're believing for, but many times, many times, it's much better. Can I hear an amen? Amen.
In verse 16, it says, Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. They're still not getting it. Jesus says, uh, <laughs> Everything you just said, they just didn't get. That happens to us, doesn't it? Jesus just tells us, I'm going to take care of it. I'm awesome. I'm the resurrection of the life. I can do anything. Okay, we'll go and die with you. But here's what's great about this. Jesus says, I'm glad that I didn't go so that you guys will believe. In other words, I'm going to do something in your face and you're going to go. And that's going to be good for everybody. Because your faith right now is, can only go so far and I'm about to do something that's going to break your faith beyond its limits so that you can believe at a greater level. So, so this is what Jesus does. He constantly goes beyond our limitations, goes beyond our level of faith so that our faith level can go higher. And that's what he's about to do to these guys. And these guys came to a place where not only did they believe that Jesus could do more than they ever believed he could... But their faith came to the place where they started doing the things that they saw Jesus doing. You read the disciples' lives in the book of Acts. They were raising the dead, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers. They were doing the very same things Jesus was doing. And in this church, we see the same things. Because we believe that Jesus Christ is doing the same things today he did 2,000 years ago. Amen. I love the story that... Uh, Les just told me this last week. Les is a member here in our church. He says that he went to this grocery store and he saw this lady that was working there and he felt like the Lord gave him what's called a word of knowledge. It's a supernatural information that comes spontaneously to you from God. And, he's, and he felt like the Lord said to him that this lady has a daughter and they cannot diagnose the daughter's condition and she's really anxious about it. And so when he, he went to look for her in the store, he couldn't find her. Waited in the parking lot. Didn't come out. Then it was a few weeks later, he was back in the grocery store and there she was. Now, that's kind of risky, isn't it? To walk up to a stranger and say, I feel like I have a message from God for you. Right. But this is what Jesus did all the time. And so Les went up to this lady and said, excuse me, uh, my name's Les and I feel like God gave me a message for you. You know, would you like like it? Yes. Um, I feel like you told me that you have a daughter who has a, uh, some kind of a condition the doctors cannot diagnose. Is that true? Cross your fingers. He said she was stunned. Because that was exactly what was going on. And he was able to say to this mama, Jesus says, don't worry about it. She's going to be all right. And she said, it is amazing that you saw me today because today is my last day working here. Can God orchestrate things? Can he do whatever he wants? How small is that for God? But how big is that for the lady with that daughter? That's our Jesus. And he wants to do that through his people. Verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Uh-oh. Oh, darn. That's it. That's over. There's no way. Maybe three days, but not if he's been dead four days. Where, where is your faith? Where is your faith level? Where do you hit that wall? Where belief dominates your faith. Jesus wants to extend your faith today. He wants to broaden you. He wants to break your limits and, and enable you to believe way beyond where you've ever believed before. That's our Jesus. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews who had joined the women around Martha and Mary came around to comfort them concerning her, their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
little bit of shame never hurt. You know what I mean? We can feel that way. We can talk to God like that. If you were just here, if you had just been here, if you had just answered my prayers, God. This terrible thing would not have happened. And I don't say this uncompassionately. I mean, I I have had some pretty horrific things happen in my life. Painful things, prayers that weren't answered, people that died, you know, some pretty brutal things. But we've got to come to a place where we meet, uh, meet God at Job's level of faith, where he says, this most astounding verse in the Bible, even if God were to slay me, yet will I praise him. For I know that my Redeemer lives. God rules. God's in charge. I'm going to worship him whether my prayers get answered or not. But if we just continue to believe God's going to do amazing things. He can raise the dead. And what's the worst that will happen? We go to heaven. Oh, bummer. What's the worst that can happen to the believer, the follower in Jesus Christ? What's the worst that can happen? We get heaven. Verse 22, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. That's her measure of faith. The whatever, though, is going to be challenged there. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. She really believes that she's believing unlimited belief right here. But she's going to find out that actually was a bit limited. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And now we know Jesus was actually talking about today. But her faith couldn't connect with the now. So often our faith is God did miracles in the past and God will do miracles in the future. But what about your situation today? Well, I don't know if God heals today. See, faith is now. The Bible says now faith is the substance of the thing hoped for, the evidence of the thing not seen. If it's in the past or the future, it's not faith. Faith is now. So Jesus says to her, your brother's going to rise. He could have said in about 15 minutes, but I think he wanted to give her an opportunity to believe. Martha said to him, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection on that day. You see where her faith is? Her situation was overwhelming her and she was struggling with her faith. But I like how Jesus did the miracle anyway. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, wake up. Jesus Christ was already in her life and she couldn't see his limitlessness. He's in many of our lives and in our situation, we just lose sight of his limitlessness. He's saying, wake up. I'm the resurrection in the life. Nothing's too difficult for me. He has to keep reminding us of this, doesn't he? He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who has come into the world. That wasn't his question. I believe, many of you believe in Jesus, but you just don't believe that he can perform a miracle in your financial, in your marriage, in your, what, your condition of your child, in your career, your ministry. Maybe you feel like I sinned so bad, I can never be right with God again. You just don't know the power of the love and the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from 
all sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let's go down to verse 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell out on his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. <laughs> What's that? You're going to go over it again. Oh, yeah, because that was Martha. Now we're going to do it with Mary. And then the other, how many hundreds of thousands of believers were at that time. And as he's doing it with the millions of believers today, right? But he's so patient and so gracious. He's our coach. He's helping us to believe. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept, just showing his love and compassion for the human race. I want to say this. When you weep, Jesus weeps. We are not following the teachings of a dead religious leader. Jesus Christ is alive. He proved this to me when I was 19 years old and I prayed the prayer. I said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not. I was raised Catholic and I saw your statue at church and I see that little plastic statue on my grandma's dashboard of her car. And it just freaks me out because you're always it's always like looking right at me. and I'm in the back seat. My grandma's driving like this and Jesus is looking at me like this. The whole thing was a little bit weird. When I was 19 years old, I said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are, I'm inviting you into my life. And then coincidence after coincidence after coincidence after coincidence after coincidence after coincidence after coincidence, you start to realize these are not coincidences. I really believe, I know Jesus is communicating with me. He's alive. Bam, the lights go on. And for me, that was about 30 years ago. And he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. He's done some unbelievable. See, can't even believe it. And he still does them. Unbelievable. Isn't that funny how we pray and then it happens? I can't believe it. Isn't that funny? He just does big stuff. He likes to just shock us. He likes to wow us. That's what worship is. Shock and awe. Then Jesus said, uh, the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could this man, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Bam, ran into another wall, another limit. Well, we believe you can open up the eyes of the blind. We believe that much. But raising the dead, come on, you freaks, you fanatics. Okay, so you can believe that Jesus can open the eyes of the blind and you're normal. But if somebody else believes he could actually raise the dead, they're a freak. Isn't that funny? We're comfortable in our limits, aren't we? We're comfortable. This is normal. You go outside of my limits and believe for stuff that's impossible, and now you're weird. You're part of those weird people. You go to that weird church down there over at New Hope. <laughs> Joe's a friend of mine. I can say that. He's probably talking smack about me this morning, too. Oh, by the way, I know some of you didn't know I owned a tie. There it is. How do I look, Maru? I look nice. Maru likes it when I dress up. 
But as you can see, but next week we'll all be back in our beach attire. So if you're visiting here today, this is an anomaly. As you saw, our, our, one of our men's leaders is up here in his, his beach clothes. I'm in a tie. Everybody's welcome at the Gathering Place Church. Just be appropriate. All right. Uh, then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay against him. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister. Who, Martha, remember, I know anything you ask God, he will do it. I know you're the son of God. I know he will rise. Jesus said, uh, and, and, and Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by the time there by this time, there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Oh, no, not the stench. I didn't know the stench was in play. I can open the eyes of the blind. (laughs) I can raise everybody from the dead on that day in the future, but not the stench. (laughs) Where are you limiting God in your life? He wants to break your limits today. Some of you may be limited by your belief in Jesus as the Son of God. I'm going to challenge you today. I challenge you to pray the same prayer I did. Jesus, I'm not sure if you're real or not, but if you are, I'm asking you into my life. What will that prayer hurt? A little bit of pride, maybe. Maybe a little bit of trust. A little humility. If you'll just crack the door of your life, Jesus Christ himself will come and prove himself to you. I can't prove him to you. I just preach the good news, which is what I'm doing. But I can't prove to you that Jesus is the Christ. Only he can. And he will if you'll give him a chance. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer by the, by the time we walk out of here in a few minutes. I pray you'll crack the door of your heart. There's only a handle on the inside. Nobody else can open it but you. Just give God a chance. Give Jesus a chance to prove all your teachers and all your friends and whoever else it was or is that's telling you that it's foolishness. Just go ahead and open the door. Let, let's see if it's foolishness or not. Let, let Jesus prove himself to you. And then you can be a fool like the rest of us. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? See, there's the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. I'm going to wrap this up with this. There are three reasons why Jesus still does miracles today. They're all three found in this passage, this wonderful story of Jesus bringing the sister's brother back to life. The first and foremost reason Jesus Christ still does miracles in your life today is because He is, I'll use this word in this context, uncontrollably in love with you. He just can't help Himself. He is love. 
He sees your alcoholism. He sees your drunkenness. He sees the pornography. He sees the bitterness. He sees the resentment. He sees the unbelief. He sees the anger. He sees the hedonism. He sees all of this in us. And he's touched by it because he sees our lostness. He sees our anxieties, our sicknesses, our diseases, our worries. And he isn't repelled by them. He's drawn to them. I was I was hiking with Ava the other day and I'm walking ahead of her and I hear this thud. And you know, that's a bad sign, right? And then I and, and then you hear the shriek. And what does a dad do? Oh, she'll be all right. You just keep walking on. So, or you deserved it, right? I mean, exactly how awful. And yet we think God does this. We think that's the way God is. No, God hung himself on a cross, shed his blood for us when we deserved it not. Why? Because he saw that we had spiritually fallen down and skinned our knee and then some. And we were we were down and some of you are down spiritually so far. There is no way you will ever lift yourself back up. In fact, the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one has hope this side of heaven, of ever getting into heaven by our good works. Zip, nada, net, no, never. It won't happen. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. If you and I could get into heaven by our good works, what was that on the cross? That was God knowing you and I will never get into heaven by our good works. Sin has to be paid for, but as a good dad, he paid for it for us. In the same way that I scooped up my little seven-year-old girl, the blood coming down her knee, and carried her all the way home, even though this 51-year-old body almost didn't make it. I did set her down twice. But... Jesus carried our sin on him, on that cross, to the cross, through the cross, broke the power of death, hell in the grave, and rose from the dead and said, all your sins have been paid for. Now invite me into your life and I, the resurrected son of God, will forgive you of all of your sins and I will reserve a place for you in heaven. That's the scripture that we just read. An inheritance that's incorruptible, imperishable, reserved for you in heaven. Make-A-Wish just gave us tickets to the Padres game last Wednesday night for my son Josiah, who we adopted from Ethiopia. And Make-A-Wish chose him as a wish child. And so I got, the, I got it in the mail, and I got the tickets, and I got the parking sticker. And all the way down there, I'm thinking, will they honor this par- parking sticker? When I show up, will they really honor the parking sticker? Because I don't want to pay $150 to park. And so I put it up on there and made sure they saw when I pulled in. I got my, you know, my handicap thing going on. Right. Oh, God. Then I'm walking to the stadium with these tickets and they're special tickets. I don't know if they're really going to honor the tickets. I was kind of nervous about the whole process. Is this really going to work? And man, they just swooped me in, took us up to a little suite. Leather chairs, stocked fridge, food. He thinks that's what it's like to go to a Padres game now. <laughs> I can never take him to another Padres game. He'll be stuck in a seat. It's like, where are the Padres girls? They all came around him. They're taking pictures. And Oh, yeah, I got a great shot of Josiah with four Padres girls around him. He's like. <laughs> That's great. Those tickets were reserved 
The Bible says your place in heaven is reserved by Jesus Christ and his blood on that cross. If you invite him into your life, turn your life over to him. And that reservation is more sure than the reservations I had at the Padres game. Anything could happen. Anything could go wrong. But not when you are dealing with Jesus Christ and what he paid for you to have on the cross. If you crack your heart, there's no way. There's no way he's not going to rush into your life and save your soul from death, hell, and the grave. He loves you too much. That's the first reason Jesus does miracles. The second reason is because he wants everybody to believe in him. Some say, well, miracles don't cause people to believe in Jesus. Read the Bible. In fact, right in this passage, verse 45, I think, the last, right, right after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, it says, And many of the Jews who saw this miracle believed. There were many that did not. And they say, we've got to kill this guy. Which is like one of the dumbest things I've ever read in the Bible. Jesus just rose Lazarus from the dead. And so then the way they're, they, then they're plotting, what can we do with this guy who raises people from the dead? I know, let's kill him. Because you know he can't do it twice. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. That's unbelief. Unbelief. That unbelief is so irrational. Let's kill him. Even though he does raise people from the dead. Jesus does miracles because he wants you to believe today. That's why I mentioned a couple of the miracles in here today. I talked about Brian's miracle. I talked about the miracle that left at the grocery store. Another, I mean, we, we've seen deaf ears open, blind eyes open. We've seen TB healed, hepatitis healed. We've seen a lot of stuff healed in this house. And the reason I tell these stories is one, to increase our faith, not hype it, just increase it. And for those of you that don't believe today, that you can hear these stories and it can challenge your belief system. God's bigger than you. He's bigger than your brain and he's madly in love with you. And he's trying to get you to believe. He's trying to prove himself to you. For your sake, not for his. And the last reason that Jesus does miracles is because he wants everybody to know the goodness of God. He said here, I told you, if you believe, if you would just believe, you would see. You would see if you would just believe the glory of God and his glory is his goodness. When Moses said, show me your glory, the Bible says God let his goodness pass before him. God is good. Will you say that with me? God is good. Verse 43. Now, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. See, Christians are allowed to shout. I like to shout. And there's my there's my proof text right there. Jesus did it. And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him. And let him go. That is our Jesus right there. What's that? Loose him and let him go. This is what Jesus is saying to the entire human race. He wants us free. He's come to set us free from shame. Free from guilt. Free from limitations. Free from oppression, bondage, depression, discouragement. Freedom is what Jesus has come to bring to us. He rose from the dead. Nothing's impossible for him. All we need to do is invite him into every situation, every day of our lives, and let his resurrection hope fill us with his life and his light. So I'm going to ask you today as we close, where are you limiting God in your life? 
What circumstances have become so have encompassed you and surrounded you and is pressing upon you and smothering you? What limitations have caused you not to be able to believe? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now and think about that. Think about where, where are the limitations right now? What is that circumstance? That relationship? That sickness or disease? That philosophy? That teaching? That God doesn't do miracles today? Where in your life are you limiting God? I want you to grab a hold of that in your mind right now and in your heart. Okay, right now I'm going to ask you, just off your lips, if you'll participate, just invite Jesus into that right now. Just invite Him in. I don't care if you've had it for years. I don't care if you've prayed it before. Right in this moment, just invite Jesus right in. And say, Jesus, I believe. Say this to him. Say, God of hope, bring hope into this situation. I want you to continue to pray this way just for a moment. Let Jesus right now begin to kick down the walls of your limitations. Just keep your eyes closed and let areas of your life come up where you've been limiting the resurrected Jesus Christ. And just keep inviting Him into those areas of limitation and ask Him to break the walls out. And while, these, while you're praying this, if you're in this house today, you've heard this message. And you need to invite Jesus into your spiritual situation for salvation. Or you do not know if you're going to heaven or not. But you want to know. If that's you, I'm going to ask you if you'd raise your hand. I'm going to have you pray a prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment to invite Jesus Christ into your life. You're going to turn your life over to Him and crack that door of your heart and let Him in. And say, I'm going to, Jesus, I need to invite you into my hopeless situation today. My spiritual hopeless situation. I need forgiveness of my sins. And I'm going to ask you to be the Savior of my life. If that's you, will you raise your hands right where you are? See your hand right there, brother. Anybody else raise your hand? Say, that's me. I'm going to invite Jesus Christ into my life today for the forgiveness of my sins. And so I can have my place reserved in heaven. Anybody else raise your hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. There's, I see your hand back there, brother. Anybody else raise their hand and say, I want to invite Jesus Christ. I see your hand right here, son. Anybody else raise your hand? Say, I'm going to invite Jesus Christ into my life today. Okay, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Let's everybody pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, forgive me for limiting you. Thank you for expanding my faith today. I invite you into every area of my life. Show me your limitlessness. Nothing is impossible with you. Now, for those of you that raise your hand to receive Jesus Christ, just right off your lips, pray this prayer out loud. Say, Jesus, 
I'm inviting you into my life today to be the Savior of my life. I turn my life over to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I ask you to breathe your spirit into my heart today. I give my life to you this morning. And I declare that you are my Savior. You are my Lord. And I will follow you and serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that we all stand. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down. I'm going to ask the band, if you guys are going up there, we need to go out with a shout. And I want to ask today, if you raised your hand to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, we would all just love to celebrate with you. So I'm going to ask you to be bold this morning. Would you slip out of your seat and make your way down front here so we can celebrate in the house of God today? The Bible says that heaven throws a party over every person who turns their life over to God. We'd like to do that with you. If you raise your hand to receive Jesus Christ, would you please slip out and come down front here? Young man, come on down. Look at this young man right here. Look at this young man right here. Bam. Okay, there, there were a couple more that raised your hand. There were a couple more that raised your hand. If you'll come down and let us pray over you. Maybe it's a rededication. If that's a rededication, you come down as well. But uh, we want to celebrate with you in the house today. So be bold. Don't be ashamed. Just come on down. And let's let's uh, celebrate your salvation or rededication today. What is your name, young man? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. That is awesome. Let's thank God for Jeremiah, huh? All right. So I'm going to let the band just kick it. We're going to worship. As they worship, you're free to stay and worship a little bit. You're free to go. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. And grab a book of Jabez out there. It's only 10 bucks. We're going to crack it open next Sunday for a four-week series. Love to have you back. If you're a guest, please put your uh, guest card out on the resource table on your way out. If you need prayer, the prayer teams are down here. So, uh, what's that? And get your kids out of Children's Church. In Jesus' name. Happy Resurrection Sunday!
Don't fall.
Yeah, it's really beautiful. LA sucks, but it's, it's called Malibu. Thank you.